0: Welcome to The Paulist. This is a daily comics analysis podcast. I'm Tuply on Twitter at T W O P L A I. You can also email me at Tuplai at gmail.com. Every day I take a comic book and I try to analyze it from a variety of perspectives. I'm um, trying to bring in insights from different places to try to help us to understand this um, varied and wide ranging field uh, medium. That is comics, and today we're going to be talking about our Sunday Super Friend, which is going to be um, the original Super Friend, uh, Superman. We're going to talk about Action Comics number 962, part of DC's Rebirth, um, the final issue in this arc. Um, there will be spoilers ahead, so please read the book, um, be part of that conversation, and then join us here for um, for my take. All right. Um, it is uh, kind of a treat for me to be back talking about big two superhero comics. Um, the the previous stint of podcast was also a treat, <laughs> but it's been a little while since I've talked about a recent um, or a current uh, superhero book a- outside of Doctor Fate, I guess. But that was a little bit more on the on the work of Sonny Um Today we're going to be talking about um, the. Uh, action comics 962 which is the fifth issue since dc's rebirth um and since action comics returned to its original numbering the conclusion um to this first arc and and really the first arc of of the rebirth line um the path of doom as it's called (laughs) um written by dan jurgens uh with art by steven segovia on pencils and art thibbert on inks um rob lee letters and ulysses Ariola colors um we are in the um you know i think in the third month maybe of the the dc rebirth and um action like many of its most of dc's main titles have been double shipping which means that they've been coming out twice a month and so the stories are coming out fast and furious and even though the the pace of the story is a little bit um i guess what some would call decompressed meaning that you know takes its time uses its pages to really uh show the action or whatever um i don't think it's really truly decompressed it's not in the sort of brian michael bendis kind of decompressed way, but actually I think of it more as a, as a doomsday decompressed way. Um, I have great fondness for the original doomsday story. Um, mostly because of the time in my life it came in and it's, you know, it came like the character itself kind of bursting out of nowhere with all of this, this fanfare about it being the death of Superman. Um, and I, I really didn't read it until afterwards until it was collected, but I, I, I actually found the story really absorbing, uh, absorbing. Sorry, really compelling. Um, the I'm talking, of course, about the original um, Death of Superman Doomsday story, that uh, I, th- I believe was written by by Dan Jurgens. Um, I don't remember who the artists were back then. I can tell you that um, in this rebirth line, I've actually been kind of into the the um, the story arc in um, action uh, since action 950. I think, yeah, it was the first one in rebirth. Um 958 and 959 was um was uh featuring art by Patrick Zercher, which I thought was beautiful, it was splashy splashy, it was juicy. Um, you know, all all the good things that you want from DC Comics art. Um 960 and 961, featured art by Tyler Kirkham. Um Kirkham I f- feel compared to Zercher, was slightly more stylized and 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 read a little bit messier but um still very capably done and so i i i liked um i liked the story i liked the art i like where we were going i like that there's um the, sort of some of the familiarity of the old doomsday story this whole sort of unstoppable force um that the more you 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 fight back um the the stronger he gets and um uh when we arrive at uh Action 962, you know, they've already sort of laid waste to Metropolis and a bunch of uh, places, locales in between. Um, by the way, again, once again, we're going to spoil this book. So uh, maybe I can short shortcut the summary because you probably already read it. If not, go and read it. Um, if you're still listening and you're probably okay with being spoiled, then uh, maybe this is for your benefit. But anyway, um, you know, it's, it's the doomsday story, but there's sort of new sources of tension. Uh, one is that Uh, At the beginning of this issue, you know, Wonder Woman has taken Lois and Jonathan, um, Lois, uh, his wife, and Jonathan, Superman's son. How much backstory context should I give here? I don't actually exactly know. Okay, I'll try to do it short and quick. Basically, we're talking now, of course, about the pre-52, the pre-New 52 Superman, who um, in last year's series, Lois and Clark, again written by Dan Jurgens, reappeared in the New 52 universe and then were present when... um, Oh, and of course, Lois and Clark are married to each other, and they have a son jonathan and um and then, of course, the new fifty two Superman met his fate met his end at the end of his um series in the new fifty two and um and then uh this sort of older pre fifty two superman um reappeared on the scene, reappeared in public, and then took on sort of, uh, I guess, retook on the mantle in in the New 52 universe of the now-departed New 52 Superman. Meanwhile, Lex Luthor, um, since the events of the Forever Evil uh, crossover of, I don't know, two years ago maybe, has been trying to be a Justice League member, has been trying to um, be a sort of a robotically armed um superhero, defender of the common every man and uh and and very much in a Lex Luthor fashion wants to be seen as the hero, but nonetheless doesn't seem does seem to be genuinely um intent on doing some good and saving some lives and in fact filling superman's shoes and so lex Luthor takes on at the beginning of this run this uh five issue arc has sort of taken on the name the mantle of superman uh and then (laughs) inconveniently the old superman (laughs) shows up to to claim not only to claim uh the the um the role and the the seat the cape um but also to um to be suspicious of Lex. Um, and then meanwhile, running around, there's a Clark Kent who is not Superman, uh, weird. And then there's um, there's Lois, who is Clark's wife. And there's also New 52 Lois, who is um, hanging around somewhere. And all of this is just a big... Um, I, perfect example of the huge um uh, cluster of <laughs> of uh craziness <laughs> that is uh, the current status of dc continuity um all of it trying to be um uh parsed out and pieced together um yeah in this issue uh tor- the you know doomsday has appeared uh, once again sort of without explanation mysteriously um uh superman and and lex superlex and um and the city of Metropolis try to deal with it uh, part of dealing with it is recognizing that um doomsday has the thirst for krypton kryptonians, and that means Jonathan, his son, and so he sends off. Lois and, and Jonathan, uh, with Wonder Woman, uh, cause that's, I guess, the best use of his pal Wonder Woman to send them off to the Justice League spaceship, I forgot what it's called, and so where they'll be safe, supposedly, uh, and so, um, uh, you know, and then at the end of the last issue, 961, there's this strange battalion of hooded forces that are trying to, um, collect up, um, uh, Doomsday for this mysterious character called Mr. Oz, I'll come back to later, um, but trying to collect the doomsday through a portal to, to for whatever, and they can't, they, they fail, they prove insufficient, as Mr. Oz says, and they can't capture uh, doomsday. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm reading all this, and as much as there is a kind of excitement because I have a certain nostalgia for that doomsday story, there's also a question of why. Why are we, why is there a doomsday? Uh, why are we doing doomsday for this Rebirth story. Um, is it that um, we're so hungry for a taste of the pre-52 Superman and Lois and Jurgens at the height of his power and popularity and that Doomsday was such a great story that, um, you know, we had to kick off Rebirth with something as compelling as Doomsday, you know, that that kind of solves the problem. Doomsday is a perfect character to solve the the sort of um, eternal problem of Superman, which is that if he's this powerful, what's powerful enough to pose a problem for him, you know? And, uh, and of course, it's Doomsday, and now there's all these new dimensions. There's Jonathan. There's this strange post-Forever Evil Lex. There's the vacuum that's left by the New 52 Superman and how the world doesn't, you know, he was uh, Clark Kent as Superman was outed in the New 52 uh, during the uh, Jin Luen Yang run. And then, uh, you know, and that absent, that vac- vacuum is felt here by the fact that the uh, fortress of solitude in this world is, is you know, um, does not, is not the same, does not belong to this pre-52 Superman. Uh, yeah. Hey, if you aren't reading DC Comics or following what's going on and you're listening to this, maybe because you are a fan of um, retrofit comics, which I was talking about the previous day. What a wild ride, huh? Isn't this what uh, superhero comics is? Just sort of seemingly totally inane. But others of you are listening and you actually know exactly what I've been talking about because you've been paying attention to all these things. And so you'll know what I mean in that. In, when I say that, I think... Um, Jonathan, uh, Superman's son, who I think there's big plans for, um, including a book, a Super Sons book with um, uh, 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 Damien, uh, you know, son of Batman. Jonathan remains to me a very winsome character. Um, The dynamic between Lois and Clark remains interesting to me. Um, And uh, I think that, um, you know, all this stuff about um, Doomsday and the Phantom Zone and uh you know this notion that superman built sort of rebuilt his own version his second version hidden version of his own fortress of solitude there's two fortresses of solitude in this universe uh but it rebuilt also and reverse engineered all of this um these portals and stuff like that i didn't know superman was a a, a also a kryptonian scientist Um, But, you know, from his own working knowledge, he sort of reverse-engineered a a portal. Um, And then, you know, uh, of course, um, manages with the help of Wonder Woman, after Jonathan convinces Wonder Woman to leave them and go and help, um, Superman is able to um, transport Doomsday into the Phantom Zone. Um, Superman and Wonder Woman exchange a fist bump, (laughs) which is just kind of so very much the um the tone of some so many D C superhero books these days that superheroes uh fist bump each other and then um yeah and then and then um there's some rapprochement between Lex and Superman temporarily and then uh you know, Clark reunites with, with Lois and John. Uh and then we see this this last closing bit where This uh, Mr. Oz character, who was introduced during um, Jeff Johnson and and John Romita Jr.'s run on Superman in the 30s or so of the New 52. Um, Mr. Oz and his battalion um, intercept Doomsday on the way somehow uh, on the transporter to um, on the way to the Phantom Zone. And so now they they Mr. Oz possesses a Doomsday. Uh, whatever that means, <laughs> and whoever Mr. Oz is. Um, yeah. Uh, what are we doing here? <laughs> it's my question. That's the profundity that I bring to this Superman book. Because what I'm interested in as far as rebirth is, I, I think I was very intrigued by the general proposition that um, rebirth set out to be. Um, very intrigued by what jeff johns does because i think jeff johns is you know generally very well regarded um maybe polarizing for some uh i generally have liked what he's done um but he i i feel like what he's done has always been a little bit um uncertain in the interim uh and then he's sort of come through at the end and i think fans have learned to trust him because he's of the ways he's come through in the end and by come through in the end i just mean that he's provided an emotional sati- emotionally satisfying way of dealing with all of the continuity quirks that are um manifest in uh superhero in big two superhero universe comics he he's just pretty good at that stuff and sometimes his um you know what he manages to do with the stories is sort of slap on the forehead um obvious, but um doesn't make them any less satisfying. and I think he knows how to to uh, play out draw out his storytelling so that um there is an impact because you've been invested. Uh, of course, that assumes that you've been invested. and I think one of the things that d c and Marvel have been wrangling with is, do we cater our stories our line? Our, our superhero line to the old guard uh, of fans or are we trying to be approachable new uh sort of what the new 52 did which is that you know you can come in um completely um ignorant of the back history. You don't have to have lingered in the comic shops for decades to, to pick up this book and know what it what's going on and what this is about. And I think the um, Action 962 represents the current mood, which is to say, in some senses, to heck with that. <laughs> you know, we want to honor and reward people who've been around since Dan Jurgens was writing the original Doomsday Death of Superman story. We want to um, have... Tidbits here and there that are there to entice the um, continuity devotees, um, and then to have other places and other pieces that are not. Um, I was, I think, I talked a few days ago about Bat, about Batgirl, um, which has been for uh, some time now a um, a difference in the line, and and is especially so right now with. Hope Larson and Rafa Albuquerque and the very different route that they're taking her or um, other titles that uh, DC offers that are still within the universe but um, again kind of off the off the beaten off the beaten track and um, not to mention all the stuff going on at Vertigo and Unfollow and and uh uh, and uh, the Sheriff of Babylon, and stuff like that. All that to say, I don't think DC, I wouldn't sort of summarize DC with what's going on with Action 962. But I think what Action 962 is, is it's the 962nd <laughs> issue of Action Comics. And so clearly, Jeff Johns wants to tell these great stories for people who've been around for a long time. You know, Jeff Johns and company are, are, are trying to have some cool news stories for cool new people who have not been around for a long time. You know, that's what new 50, that's what new Superman is for. Um, that's why, you know, um, Wonder Woman is doing this cool investigating, you know, her origins kind of stuff. But I think, um, you know, I think action is really for people who are not losing track of what's going on, um, are paying attention to the long form storytelling that Johns is trying to do. And, um, and and I think it's it's uh, you know m- maybe some somebody would say would as- assume if they listened to my podcast and supposed about the nature of my um my my fandom of comics that I would sort of only be in favor of these this new stuff and and kind of um, poo poo as I may have may sound like I'm doing <laughs> All of this continuity um, uh, uh, faithful stuff but um, actually you know I think I've come to have a kind of great appreciation for what it is um to illustrate i want to read a little bit from the myth of the superhero a book by um by uh i'm looking for his first name uh Arnotto. um it's um published by uh, johns hopkins university press in in 2010 uh, marco Arnado writes um about how the superhero meta narrative or macro narrative uh works um he talks about um You know, uh, in a chat with my trusty comic book seller, uh, this is on page six of of The Myth of the Superhero, I was able to learn that Marvel and DC combined publish between 130 and 150 new superhero issues per month. And if you calculate that one issue spans an average of 22 pages, uh, a reader would hypothetically have had to read between 2,860 and 3,300 pages a month just to keep up with what's going on in the superhero world. And then back issues. uh, (laughs) How big is the narrative universe? Composed of the single titles of the two publishing houses um, from the late 30s to the 2000s, the sales and success of superior comics have fluctuated enormously from the astronomical figures of the early 40s to the meager revenues, as in the near-death of the genre of the 50s, purely for the sake of simplification to have at least a very general idea. Let's say that the positive and negative fluctuations are about even and cancel each other out. So if we take today's rate of publication over a 12-month period, multiply that figure by the number of years from 1938, Uh, to 2010 the number of pages adds up to somewhere between 2,471,040 and (laughs) 2,851,200 and he says this calculation is very rough yet even so one can see that the sum of all the text which I will refer to as the meta text or macro text of the superhero world of Marvel and DC constitutes a massive work that no one has ever read in its entirety and that would be virtually impossible to read yes I think Arnado is pointing out that um, you may take a single issue of superhero comics and not consider much literary merit or value in it, but taken as a whole, the long and huge arc of these continuous universes... Uh, In fact, later on, page 137, he says, The vastness of this microtext means that simply due to the number of stories that have amassed, the Marvel and DC narrative universes call into doubt the very idea of the objectively analyzable work. Since readers only know portions that, however enormous, are always partial, no one could say that every single reader perceives a virtually different... No, sorry, one could say that every single reader perceives a virtually different Marvel or DC universe composed of his own selections. Someone who has mainly read stories from the 50s and 60s would know more optimism mystic dc someone who's focused on the various subgenres might perceive narrative universes primarily dominated by horror etc um goes on to write um later in this same chapter this chapter by the way compares the big superhero narratives to the um uh, to the baroque period calls it sort of neo baroque um the baroque inherited the idea of the artist inspired by art itself instead of nature From the form of expression known as mannerism and combined it with the spirit of the uncertainty of the times, which was marked by widespread skepticism about whether it was possible to completely master the real and distinguish truth from illusion. If the world was a theater, as the most common metaphor of the 17th century claimed, and if reality was a divine fiction, whose ultimate meaning remained unknown, then such condition overturned the traditional hierarchical relationship between nature and art. The former was no longer necessarily preferable to the latter, while the art that was seen as most adequately describing the world had to assume openly artificial and spectacular modes. Um, go, skipping ahead. <laughs> this type of phenomenon is prominent... In superhero comics which have developed a tradition of materials and generic norms that are established enough to make their own background a potential object of citation and discussion. And the comic, being a medium that is a hybrid of word and image, lies at the juncture of at least three distinct traditions that can be cited in an equally direct manner. Uh, manner. Literature, static visual art, painting, sculpture, photography, and comics themselves. Citations, citations, citations. That's me, that last bit. <laughs> I think that the idea is that, um, you know, the neo-baroque is, is art that's made out of art. It's literature that is, um, sort of an endless citation. And, um, one sort of thinks of, um, uh, Frederick Jameson and, um, his, his postmodernism essay. It's sort of, um, uh, art commenting upon art or story commenting upon story. And, um, and really, um, you know, the the um, DC fanboy, so to speak, uh, or fangirl, who's been around for a million years, who um, has a, a vested interest in the stories of the past resurfacing, um, is intrigued right now by Rebirth, is intrigued by the reemergence of the old uh, Wally West, <laughs> um, intrigued by the possibility that this Mr. Oz character, who is intercepting uh, Doomsday, maybe, as rumors on the internet have said, um, none other than the Watchmen's Ozymandias. (laughs) And of course, um, people are either applauding or in uproar about the idea that this further desecration of the hollowed creations of uh, Moore and Gibbons, uh, I say that tongue in cheek. You know, I'm actually not a huge fan of Watchmen. I'm going to come right out and say it i know that's sacrilege i've just delegitimized myself as a comics analyst (laughs) but i and in fact i own you know deluxe editions and so i've read watchmen and studied it and read commentary and i recognize that it's a great blah 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 but i'm just not into it (laughs) i'm just not as into it as others but anyway you know to to step on the hollowed territory of watchmen and to um i think what jeff johns is trying to do is he's trying to comment on the last 32 years of DC publishing. That's what Rebirth is about. You know, all this stuff is Johns' meta commentary on what went right, what went wrong, what's lost and what's gained in the kind of storytelling that, that um, comics and DC specifically have been wrapped up in for the last 32 years since Watchmen. Uh, or maybe it's actually the last 52 years <laughs> because that would be... 50, 50, let's see, what happened in 1964? It's, um, oh, first volume of Doom Control debuted. There you go. Yeah, I'm just being ridiculous. Uh, (laughs) You know, the DC numerology. Um, But I think that, um, yeah, look, you can totally um, revile this stuff um, or you can just enjoy the ride uh, and appreciate that um, some stuff is going on here where um, the partial revival and partial um, re contextualization of a lot of uh, old stuff you know from five ten thirty years ago um is all in conversation and all in play um yeah i have some more speculations about that but actually maybe i'll just hold that until more of this rebirth stuff is gradually revealed and meanwhile we'll just keep reading um work i didn't say yet by the way the artist uh, segovia on this work i talked about all the other artists i didn't talk about segovia steven segovia's pencils art theorists inks um there's some weird body contortions, and um, I don't know that I loved this art as much as I love Zercher and and Kirkham's So, um, but um, anyway, it's it, it it told the story, it wrapped up the arc, and I and you got me, and I'm gonna be following and seeing what uh, what comes of these storylines and where DC's Rebirth universe goes. All right, hey, next week on the Super Friend sunday maybe we will venture into looking at um uh something different (laughs) i haven't i've yet to talk about a vertigo book Uh, astro city maybe maybe um maybe we'll finally talk about sheriff of babylon um yeah anyway let's keep reading okay